talk about the path laid before us to follow Jesus. We will discuss Jesus being the way, the truth, and the life. I want to start off today with reading a scripture. John 14, 1 through 6. Do not let your hearts be troubled, but believe in God. Believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have not told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I'm going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. So how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. And we lost power to the TVs. We'll get that back on here in a second. Which is why I'm glad I brought notes. So there in your bulletin is, if you don't have one, feel free to grab one. There's a follow along, so you can fill in the blank. And then also, last week, I had a sheet of where Jesus was at in and throughout Scripture. And that didn't make it into the bulletin, unfortunately, but it's there now if you want it. My pleasure. So Jesus is the truth, the life, and the way. Next slide, please. There are three major points in Jesus being the way in this sermon series. Jesus is the way. He reveals the Father to us. Jesus is the way. So we see him as salvation. And Jesus is the way through transformation. Beginning with the first, as Jesus is the way to the Father. The Father throughout Scripture, specifically in the New Testament, is revealed through Jesus Christ. Jesus shows us that he and the Father are one. Through this process, we see many examples and different ways that Jesus has revealed the Father to us. One of them being he's spoken through parables. Another is through miracles and healing and through his interactions with people. So if you have amazing eyesight, you can see that. When Jesus is teaching parables, here's one of them that sticks out about the love of a father. Jesus often used parables as teaching to illustrate the character and nature of God in the parable of the prodigal son. Jesus reveals the father's unconditional love, forgiveness, and compassion towards a wayward child. Therefore, the father's response to the returning of the prodigal son, Jesus portrays the father alongside to reconcile with his lost son and his willingness to forgive and to restore that relationship. Another example within Scripture is where Jesus is sharing about the parable of going after the one sheep 
and leaving the 99. Our Father is consistently pursuing us. And like I talked about in communion, God knew before humanity was created that he would have to send Jesus, and yet he chose us anyway. So before we even realized it, he was already planning pursuit for our hearts and our minds and our lives and our souls. We see God through the character and nature of his son. We see God through the miracles that Jesus did. Jesus performed numerous miracles and healings throughout the ministry, demonstrating the Father's power and compassion, the desire to bring restoration and wholeness to humanity. He healed the paralyzed man. Jesus not only demonstrates his authority to forgive sin, but also reveals the Father's heart and the restoration for spiritual healing. Through these miracles, Jesus... Sorry. Jesus shows the Father's ultimate desire to bring spiritual healing and reconciliation to him. Has anyone ever seen a miracle? One person shaking their head yes. Okay, cool. Anyone else? Mick? Why does God do miracles? It's to show his goodness, love, and mercy to us. It's to reveal his nature. When we are dependent and reliant on Christ, and we get to know who he is through Jesus and through the word, and we grow in that relationship, what ends up happening is that we then have the seeds planted of transformation into his character and likeness. And when we see the heart and the nature of the Father, then these hearts of stones, these minds that can be difficult to work with through lies that we have believed, whether they are spoken to us by others or lies that we have believed that our enemy has tried to distract us from a loving Father. But God reveals His nature and His love so that we may know Him. And the important part through this aspect of knowing Him comes from being able to have a relationship with Him. And so He shows us who He is. And miracles is just one way of doing that. He shows us who he is by the way Jesus has interacted with people. In his interactions with individuals, Jesus reveals the Father's character through his love, mercy, and grace. One powerful example is Jesus' encounter with the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman. His encounter demonstrates the Father's heart for all people, regardless of background or past mistakes. 
he offers the woman at the well living water, symbolizing the internal and spiritual satisfaction that only the Father can provide. Through his conversation with her, Jesus reveals that the Father's desire is to bring salvation and fulfillment. Something unique about the woman at the well is that it was approximately midday when Jesus showed up. And the woman was there. But when you look in culture, when women would go to the well, it was often always in the morning because it was the coolest part of the day. So it wouldn't be as hot. The reason why this woman was not in the morning crew is because she was an outcast in her own community. Because she had committed adultery so many times. She wasn't welcomed to be a part of what was going on. So she had to choose different times to go to the well. So even as an outcast of society, and when we look at culture, what we see is that the reason why it's so specific with the woman at the well story is that women didn't have rights like men did biblically at that time. And so for the fact that a man would interact with a woman brought her value and purpose. And then lastly, she was a Samaritan. And Jesus was a Jew. Samaritans were considered dogs, a lesser bloodline of Jewish heritage. And so there were three major factors going on. She was an outcast, she was a woman, and she was a Samaritan. But despite all those cultural issues, the love of a father transcends culture. The love of the father transcends whether or not she was an outcast and transcends her sin. And so when we see the interaction between her and Jesus, we see how the Father likes to move with those that are hurt and broken and wronged. Or those who are caught in habitual sin. That he makes space for them. He makes space for me. The second way that we see Jesus revealing who the Father is, is through salvation. Salvation. Redemption is only possible through Jesus. I know I skipped a little out of order, but would you go ahead, if you can, and play that video? World religions, they always gave some credit to Jesus Christ. The Muslims say that he was a prophet. The Krishnas say that he was an incarnation of the Godhead in his age. Yogananda and all these different Eastern teachers said that he had Christ consciousness. They always use words like Christ consciousness, Christ this, Jesus that. The Buddhists would even say he was a Buddha. He was another incarnation of God like Buddha was. In all my searchings, I saw that all these people were pointing to Jesus. Well, yeah, Jesus is one of the ways, but we're one of the ways. They wouldn't all agree on anything except that Jesus was one of the ways. And then I looked into the Bible. John chapter 14, where he says, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. 
No one gets to the Father but by me. So they all gave him credit, and he only gave himself credit. And I went, well, that kind of eliminates everybody. I did this all through intellectual reasoning. If they all gave him credit, and he only gave himself credit, I figured I had no choice but to go with him. And then I started praying to Jesus. Jesus is the only way to salvation. The Greek word for salvation is soterra. In the New Testament, the word appears in various forms and contexts, primarily revealing itself as deliverance, preservation, and rescue from danger and destruction. Salvation is exclusively offered through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. And when he sacrificed himself, he gave us atonement for our sin. And it brought wholeness into the lives of those that believe in him. Through scripture, before Jesus was crucified, we see other ways that Jesus was bringing wholeness to people. The demon-possessed man, the woman with the issue of blood, the woman caught in adultery when Jesus said, go and sin no more. And lastly, Jesus, when he heals the man with leprosy. Our Father is bringing wholeness through Jesus, through salvation, so that we might be in right standing with him. The leper in Matthew 8, when Jesus came down from the mountainside, a large crowd followed Jesus. And a man with leprosy came and knelt before him and said, Lord, if you're willing, make me clean. And Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man and said, I am willing. And he said, be clean. And immediately he was cleansed of all his leprosy. When we come in contact with Jesus, figuratively and spiritually, when we accept that gift of salvation, we are made whole and we are cleansed of all unrighteousness. And lastly, our third point. When we embrace Jesus, we are embracing transformation. You cannot embrace Jesus without Jesus being present. It takes him to actually know him and build a relationship with him. I'm reminded of a story. My wife and I, I think we were probably married within six months at this time. Do you remember Shmita? There was an Indian girl that lived next door to us. And we hadn't had really any contact with her. But one day I saw her walking down Delaware over here by the Walmart on her way back to the apartment complex. And I knew she was our neighbor. I just never had spoken with her before. And I figured that's where she was going. And it was about a mile, and she was carrying groceries. And so I stopped and said, Hey, you live next door to us. Can I give you a ride? She said, Sure. So we gave her, or I gave her a ride back home. And that opened the door for us to continue a conversation. And then we invited her over for supper a few times. And one day, we just asked if she'd like to go to church with us. And she said yes. And what was unique about that conversation 
is when I started talking about Jesus to her before I invited her to church, she said, oh, I know who that is. So what do you mean? How, how, do you, how do you know who he is if you don't know anything about Christianity? She said, that was the man that was following me for three days before I came from India here to get my pilot's license. I go, what do you mean this man was following you? He goes, yeah, there's this man. He was a spiritual being. He said his name was Jesus, and he was following me for three days, and he was telling me about himself. I was like, that's really cool. I've never, I mean, I've only heard stories like this. I've never met someone who actually experienced this. And so she had a lot of questions about Christianity. She had a lot of questions about Jesus and church. And she loved to party. And so she partied Saturday night and then went with us to church Sunday morning. And as we were there, during worship, communion was being done, and she wanted to participate. And I I looked at her and I was like, look, this is actually only for Christians. And I explained what the bread meant, and I explained what the blood meant. And I said, if you take communion, it means that you are accepting Jesus as your Lord and Savior, that he died on the cross for your sins and that you're asking for forgiveness and you're recognizing that in, in your life. And she took communion and she dedicated her life to Jesus. And my wife and I shortly moved after that. <laughs> so we never followed up with her again. But when I think about people whose lives have been transformed by Jesus, there's several stories that come to mind scripturally. We see Saul, who was converted into Paul, from the road of Damascus. When he encounters Jesus, and he found out that he was persecuting him. We see the wee little man Zacchaeus, who was up in that sycamore tree. All it took for Zacchaeus' heart to be converted was an interaction with Jesus. And his heart changed in the time that it took him to get down, when Jesus called him down from the tree, that he'd go eat at his house to his feet hitting the ground. Two, three, four seconds. Instant change. And lastly, this is one of my favorite um, hidden stories in Scripture. And how many of you watched at least the first season of Chosen? or even the first few episodes, there's this moment where a Pharisee by the name of Nicodemus met with Jesus at night trying to seek how he could be saved. And Jesus told him he must be born again. He had done all these ritualistic things. He, he was a Pharisee among Pharisees. He was one of the highest leaders in rank. And it's really easy to overlook what happens in his life. But in John 19, verse 40, or 19, verse 39 through 40, this is talking about Nicodemus. And this was after Jesus was crucified. This was after the disciples ran and fled and were scared for their life. When everyone was turning away from Jesus, we see Nicodemus. And there came also Nicodemus at the first who came to Jesus by night 
and brought a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about 100 pounds of weight, and then took the body of Jesus and wound it up in linen and clothes with the spices as a manner of the Jews is to bury. When everyone else left Jesus, and even with Joseph of Arimathea, even though Joseph of Arimathea was a follower of Jesus, he was still kind of pretending like, okay, hey, we need to get this body down and we need to go bury him somewhere so he can have my gravesite. But what we see in Nicodemus is that despite what was happening in that moment, despite the fear of being a follower of Jesus, he took the body down and he wrapped Jesus' body. There was a conversion that took place at some point between Jesus telling him he must be born again and the moment of the cross. But it's one of the easiest stories to overlook in the Bible because it's just a blip of a verse that is later in the story. And when we look at people's life and the transformation that they have gone through, it reminds me of the process of a butterfly. And so there are multiple stages of transformation happening in a butterfly, and I'm paralleling this to what it means to be transformed in Jesus. And so I'm going to read this to you. There's an egg stage. Just as the butterfly begins in its journey as an egg, individuals who accept Jesus as Lord start their spiritual journey with a seed of faith. This initial decision begins, makes marks from the beginning of transformation as they open their hearts to the possibility of a deeper relationship with Jesus. The caterpillar stage. The caterpillar represents an early stage of believer's journey after accepting Jesus as Lord. At this stage, the individual may still carry the burdens of their past and be bound by old habits and patterns of thinking, much like the caterpillar is confined to crawling on the ground. However, they are beginning to grow in their understanding of Jesus and the lordship over their lives. The cocoon stage. Just as the caterpillar enters the cocoon and undergoes a metamorphosis, Believers who accept Jesus as Lord enter a period of spiritual transformation. This stage involves surrendering control of their lives to Jesus, allowing him to take within them to bring about deep internal changes. It's a time of inner reflection, growth, and preparation for the new life that awaits. I still don't know what that word is. What is that word? Not you. Huh? Chrysalis. There we go. Chrysalis. But thanks for wanting to help, buddy. (laughs) Chrysalis stage. Inside the cocoon, the caterpillar undergoes a radical transformation, breaking down its old body and regenerizing, or sorry, reorganizing its cells to perform the structure of a butterfly. Similarly, individuals who accept Jesus will experience by making him Lord of their lives. Profound internal transformation through the work of the Holy Spirit, the old way of thinking and behaving are broken down, 
a new life begins to emerge. The emergent stage. As the butterfly emerges from the cocoon, believers who have accepted Jesus as Lord experience a new birth and emergence into a transformed life. They emerge as a new creation in Christ, empowered by the Holy Spirit to live according to God's purpose and plans for their life. This stage marks the beginning of a life lived in communion with Jesus as Lord. The flight stage. Finally, just as the butterfly takes flight into the new world, believers who have accepted Jesus as Lord and are empowered to live out their faith in tangible ways. They are free from the constraints of their old life and are empowered to live lives marked by love, joy, peace, and purpose. They soar to new heights in their relationship with Jesus, fulfilling his purposes and spreading his love for others. If our worship team would go ahead and be ready to come up. To come up. When we look at Jesus, we see the Father. When we have experiences with Jesus, we are having experiences with the Father. And from the beginning, the purpose of Jesus was to reveal the Father to us. To live a sinless life, to lay down his life, so that we might have salvation and then be reunited back with the Father. So today, if you're here and you have not accepted Jesus as Lord with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you have not accepted Jesus as Lord, go ahead and raise your hand.